Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch, chop, retrofit. All right, so you were talking about this uh, immersive NBA experience with the with your new VR set, right? Yes. And that leads me to ask you guys, have you heard about Dunk Baby? What the hell's Dunk Baby? Dunk Baby. Hashtag Dunk Baby, the baby who dunks. No. Okay, well, let me just preface it by saying his parents help. Okay. Okay, so what they do is they set up a little trampoline, and then they go back to the free throw line, and they toss him kind of towards the trampoline, but then when, once he gets up there, it's all him. He just takes over. It's going viral. Hashtag Dunk Baby, the baby who dunks. I'm calling Child Protective Services. I want everybody to Google search hashtag Dunk Baby. <laughs> Uh, but this is not a CPS podcast. <laughs> Welcome to season 10, episode 18 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is Aaron Brock Travich. Oh, yeah. A.K.A. Bend It Like Travis. A.K.A. How Travis got his groove back. Uh-huh. Um, Aaron Brockovich, Julia Roberts uh, in that movie crossed some pay pay barrier. She was like the first woman to make over $20 million for a movie or something like that. And I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Sean the Basis of Sex, a.k.a. Legally Sean. And in our third seat, Chop Shop Regulator, the United States versus Chelly Holiday. A.K.A. Chelligue of Their Own. Yes. Further description of the show, the tagline says, Watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies. Sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors. And then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, though, we're not actually in favor of remakes and reboots and sequels. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. All right. So that's going to bring us into our first segment tonight. And it's been a couple weeks since we last recorded. So movie news is where we're going right now. And it's going to be a little bit more lengthy than uh, usual. Not, not quite as much girth, but more length. Wrong, wrong episode to say that. <laughs> so uh, first, we do have to start it off with an R.I.P. Rest in peace and rest in power to Alan Ladd Jr., Oscar winning producer and studio boss who green lighted Star Wars. Oscar winning producer and former studio boss as a who, as a top executive at 20th Century Fox in the 1970s, was best known for green lighting George Lucas's landmark blockbuster Star Wars. And he has passed away at his home in Los Angeles. He died early Wednesday this past. His daughter, Amanda Ladd-Jones, who directed the documentary Laddie, The Man Behind the Movies. And you you watched this movie, right? We're I'll be talking about it later. In the movie marathon. He was 84 and no cause of death was given, at least at the time this story went to press. So I didn't get into the documentary very far, but what other things was he known for besides Star Wars? What other movies? Well... You're stealing my movie marathon. Oh, thunder. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's so fine. Just me, give me some some highlights. Some heavy the movies. highlights. He was the guy who said Ripley should be a woman. Oh, okay. All right. An alien. Good. Uh, he was the guy behind Young Frankenstein. They stole it from Columbia Pictures. Oh, wow. Uh, Mel Frankenstein. Mel Brooks had a meeting and they and he said, oh, by the way, we're going to do it in black and white. Uh-huh. And Columbia was like, uh, say what? 
Yeah. And the I next, did see this. Part. The next day, yes. his writing partner said, "Oh, we're we're gonna go with Alan Ladd." Yeah. Police Academy, Braveheart, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Alien, Dumb and Louise, The Omen, Blade Runner. The God. list goes on and on and on. Well, once again, rest in peace and rest in power to him, as well as R.I.P. to Farrah Fork, who this is more of a TV R.I.P. She was known as the chopper pilot on Wings. Uh, she was also in Heat, Disclosure, and Lois and Clark. Farrah Fork, who co-starred on the long-running NBC sitcom Wings, died from cancer on February 25th in her Texas home. A family friend confirmed to Variety she was just 54. So once again, rest in peace and rest in power to them. Uh, on a lighter note, Harry Houdini movie in the works from Transformers producers. I like the idea of a movie about Harry Houdini. I don't know that the Transformers producers are necessarily the right people to do Lots it. and lots of explosions. Yeah, it's gonna, that's how he's going to die. Is that he's going to be hanging upside down in an explosion. Uh, the world-famous escape artist and illusionist Harry Houdini is set to get yet another cinematic treatment, this time from Transformers producers Lorenzo de Bonaventure and Mark Vahadrian. Vahadrian. For Paramount, no plot details have been revealed. I didn't know there was other Harry Houdini movies besides, like, the movie Harry Houdini. I would like to see one about his career as a debunker of spiritualism. Oh, that would be cool. His later, later life. All right, so that comes to us from SlashFilm.com. Next, Pam Anderson to tell the real story in a Netflix documentary. I think we've we've seen the documentary already. Yeah. Uh, has anybody watched the show? Not yet. Going Pam, to though. Pam and Tommy is that right? Is it is that what it's called? Pam and Tommy. I think it's so. uh, Lily James and Sebastian Stan, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. That comes to us from TheGuardian.com. Benedict Cumberbatch responds to Sam Elliott's, quote, very odd criticism of the power of the dog. I thought, I don't know why I thought, but I thought that Sam Elliott might be a little bit more enlightened than that. Uh, he's, he's been around long enough, but maybe he's just staying in character from his 1883 show. <laughs> so that, that movie's gay. <laughs> That's not very cowboy. I did see Power of the Dog and I thought it was, it was um, a very good movie. Um, and I don't think that that takes anything away from cowboys. <laughs> I think if you're, you're a cowboy, if you're a cowboy. Another thing you said was talking about uh, Campion being from Australia, the director, mm -hmm. and saying that you know she doesn't really understand cowboy culture. That's not true, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think he's a little bit mm -hmm. out of line. Hasn't he ever seen the, the movie with Tom Selleck? Oh, uh, quickly, quickly, down, quickly under. down under. Come on. Right, yeah. Next, Dune Part 2 adds Florence Pugh as Princess Irulan. I'm probably not saying that right. I apologize, nerds. Uh, somehow making that ensemble better. I, I cannot wait to see Dune 2, but I also don't want them to rush anything. Take your time. Yeah. Uh, which I don't think that we're in any danger of it being rushed, considering how long it took the first one to come out. I don't think we're in any danger of anyone taking our advice either. True, true, good point. Next, The Lost Daughter wins Best Film, Director, and Screenplay at the 2022 Spirit Awards. I have not watched this yet, but it is the um, is Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial project. That's if, what I if heard, not the yeah. debut. Also, something else won awards. Zola well. did very well. Zola did well. And also... Um, Red Rocket, the the main dude Rex, whatever, 
Simon Rex. Simon Rex from Red Rocket got an award as well. So apparently the um, the Independent Spirit Awards listened to our sex workers episode. So did a lot of other people. They were one of the the, the YouTube faithful. We have 702 <laughs> views on YouTube. Which is absurd. Woo! It has to be some Russian bot. Apparently if you say sex worker in your title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we also, I was talking to you, the previous episode had sex in the title. Yeah. And we, it was like 50-something views Which is better YouTube. than normal. Yeah. Especially for, for the YouTube. Lana Condor and Will Forte join Coyote vs. Acme cast, along with John Cena. I think it's going to be a live-action hybrid, kind of like a Roger Rabbit style or, you know, Space Jam, that type of thing. Hashtag Dunk Baby. And... <laughs> Before we get to the big story, um, this is old news now because of the ongoing uh, conflict in Ukraine, but studios and uh, streaming services and fast food joints are all pulling out of Russia. Uh, The Batman did not come out in Russia because of their, let's say, not-so-diplomatic actions. But this is the doozy right here. Black Panther director Ryan Coogler mistaken for bank robber in Atlanta. Insane. Chelsea? I I can't get over this. Yeah. So I do have to admit that before reading this story, I don't know if I would recognize Ryan Coogler on face value. However, that does not justify the, the actions that were taken. Yeah. So he goes into the bank uh-huh. with a note. That says I'm withdrawing ten thousand uh-huh. dollars from my account. Yes, I don't want to draw attention to it. Please be discreet. Uh-huh. But he also presented the note with his ID uh-huh. and, and his, his Bank card. of America card. Yes. So how in the fuck did somebody misinterpret this as a bank robbery? Uh, trigger happy, I guess. Oh wait, I'm sorry. We're in Atlanta, and he is black. But the bank teller was black as well. Well, that's terrible. What a terrible commentary. Uh, The teller received, quote, a alert notification from Mr. Kugler's account and quickly advised her manager that he was trying to rob the bank branch in the Buckhead section of Atlanta, the report states. But uh, Bank of America has issued an apology to the director after he was assumed to be a bank robber and briefly handcuffed by police. And there's video of him being detained out there as well. And you can read all about this at uh, the New York Times. So that's going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. And do you guys hear a phone ringing? That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. chop shoppers my chop shoppers i went to the chop shop garage because i wanted to recast deep and suck all of the fun out of the original films the doogie hauser reboot is called doogie kamealoha md the band whose guitar player is in licorice pizza pronounces its name heim Kiefer sutherland will be playing fdr in the first lady not oppenheimer I'm off to stand on my desk. Yop! All right. Well, thank you, Dana, and Lahayam to you as well. And that <laughs> will close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week. 
bringing us to the theme of the episode. Uh, Because of what month it is, um, Women's Supremacy Month, we are talking about girls kicking ass, right? Absolutely. That's the correct terminology, right? The legal holiday is female... Female supremacy. It should be, in my opinion. <laughs> and so the this episode is you go, girl. Girls kicking ass in film. Uh, guys, thoughts on this subject? Uh, well, as a woman, yes. duh, I already knew we kicked ass. Yes. Um, and uh, how do you feel with the state of the world of movies and women? I, what is uh, your opinion? Much there? like every other aspect of the world there's there's a long way to go i i think you would you'd have to agree though it is better for women in of film. course it's better that's why i say there's still a there's long still way there's a long I'm way to di- go i'm not discounting the, the things that i have think happened. that the i think that pay needs to be mm-hmm. even uh, i think that that is just despicable that women are still fighting for for equal pay it not just in film seem, but even in 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 the world in general it's it doesn't ridiculous seem legal yeah, <laughs> to it's pay ridiculous. Two people the for the same job a different amount based on whether they're male or female. It's crazy. All right. Well, uh, that being said, we're going to move it into our next segment, which is the midnight double feature. And this is where we go around the panel and we each talk about two movies that we feel are representative of the subject of the week. This week being uh, female empowerment movies. And we um, we talk about why they would make a good double feature. And Chelsea, I think that as the uh, lone female in the room right now, you should definitely go first with your double. My double feature is about two of my heroes. Okay. The first one's from 2019. It's called Radioactive. Mm-hmm. It's about Marie Curie. Oh, nice. Okay. So first woman to win the Nobel Prize, mm-hmm. uh, only woman to receive it twice. Wow. And in two different subjects. Kick ass. What were the two subjects? Uh, physics and chemistry. Awesome. Physics awesome. was the first one with her husband and chemistry was the second one. Gotcha. That's cool. And then what are you going to pair that with? I'm pairing that with a documentary from... 2007 called A Walk to Beautiful. A Walk to Beautiful. T-O or T-O-O? T-O. Okay. A Walk Towards Beautiful. Yes. Okay. So this woman, her name is uh, Dr. Catherine Hamlin. Mm -hmm. She is my hero. I have loved her since I was little and she passed away in 2020. R.I.P. Rest in peace. This is a woman who went to Africa to start a free clinic to operate on something called a fistula. A what now? A fistula. Okay. Now, oftentimes what happens is these women in Africa are married young. It's part of the culture. Uh They're also just tiny little girls. Like they're just built little. So they go through labor. They're too little. They end up going through labor for a very long time. And these these are like remote rural tribes. Yes. yes. I'm talking like a, a week to oh, 10 God. days. So they go through all of this. Baby ends up coming out dead. And then they develop something called a fistula. And it can happen in, in a couple of ways. One, it can be um, a hole between like where 
the vagina opens uh-huh. and your bladder and so they leak urine constantly oh, just constantly it can also happen a little bit further back so they'll leak urine and feces oh so then these women are shunned because there's there's a smell uh-huh they're they've delivered this dead baby there's all this stigma attached to yeah. it and this woman went to africa to perform this very simple surgery yeah that fixes it but then she opened a clinic and what she did was got them like the psychological help that they needed after delivering this dead baby. And some women don't get help for like years after. Right, right. And the part that I loved was when they leave and they go back to their tribe, she presents them with like a new dress and this like new outlook on life. Right. And she's just a beautiful fucking human. I love her. Sounds like a real hero. That is, that is oh, remarkable. She's the best. Very cool. And that's, that's some important stuff right there. Yeah. All right, uh, Sean. Okay, well, I'm going to take our theme quite literally. Okay. Female characters who kick ass. Yes. And uh, I went with two action films, sci-fi films, with a big mama vibe. I'm going with 1986's Aliens, mm-hmm. the sequel to Alien, directed by James Cameron, starring Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean, Bill Paxson, Paul Reiser, yep. Lance Henriksen. Uh, this is the action-packed sequel to the movie at, where Ripley awakens from her sleep from the first film mm-hmm. to find herself um, encamped with a bunch of space marines and at kind of at the behest of the evil corporation that's trying to capitalize on the alien itself. And you end up with this great you know, storyline where they're protecting Newt, the little girl that they yes. find inside the facility. And Sigourney, of course, has the great uh, line, you know, get your hands off of her, you bitch, you yeah. know, to the alien queen. And she's in the big exosuit. Um, following that up, though, with 1991's Terminator 2, Judgment ah. Day, also directed by James Cameron. Uh-huh. Uh, this stars, of course, Arnold, Linda Hamilton yep. as one of the most kick-ass women in film. Uh, Edward Furlong and Robert Patrick. Um, you know, it was just a cool movie at the time because, you know, you saw the first one. It was an okay movie, yeah. I guess. But the second one, you know, she... Groundbreaking. She took it upon herself to become, you know, this, just this... Finesse, lean, mean, lean, fighting mean, machine. fighting machine. Exactly, because she knew what was coming. And even though people thought she was crazier and told yes. told, her, told her she was crazy, she was ready for the uh, the return of the Terminators. So the uh, this was the first movie I ever saw at a drive-in movie theater. Okay. And the, um, the scene where we see Linda Ham- Hamilton's character first in that movie, it, it's just like emblazoned into my brain. She's in... The mental facility. She's got her bed turned sideways, and she's doing Do pull-ups. Pull ups, yes, and I, and you can just see a difference uh, in her character from this and from the first film, and that perfectly parallels the uh, the Ripley arc from the first to the second film. They they're like two different people. Yeah, um, absolutely. From the first to the second, in both cases. Well, that is awesome, man. I like that, and I didn't even think about the fact that they were both James Cameron. All right. Well, I'm going to give you, um, before I go, I'm going to give you Michelle's double feature. My lovely wife, Michelle. Drink. Uh, she <laughs> prepared some some uh, notes for me, and I'm going to do my best. She has really good handwriting, therefore it's difficult for me to read. <laughs> um, her double feature is a movie called Enough from 2002, 
starring uh, Jennifer Lopez and Billy Campbell as Slim and Mitch, and also Juliette Lewis as Ginny. It's based on the book Black and Blue. It is about self-defense training after a trauma. Uh, Then she's going to pair that with 2004's Frida, which is um, the biopic of Frida Kahlo, the artist, who also goes through some trauma and comes out stronger on the other side. Uh, She's also says that Frida Kahlo has become an iconic symbol of empowered women Um, and also stars Alfred Molina as Diego Rivera. And that will be her double feature. I think that's pretty good. All right. My double feature is going to be some uh, kind of revenge themed uh, females getting revenge. And the first one is from 2016. It's called The Bad Batch. Not to be confused with the Star Wars animated robots thing. Uh, This was directed by Anna Lily Amapur, who also directed A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, the Iranian vampire movie. We've only got a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes, and you can, there's some parts that are definitely a little bit hard to take, but it stars uh, Suki Waterhouse, Jason Momoa, Giovanni Ribisi, and Jim Carrey. Oh, and Keanu Reeves. Arlen is abandoned in a Texas wasteland that is fenced off from civilization. While trying to navigate the unforgiving landscape, Arlen is captured by a savage band of cannibals led by Army Hammer. Not really. <laughs> led by the mysterious Miami Man. Uh, with her life on the line, she makes her way to the dream. As she adjusts to life in the Bad Batch, Arlen discovers that being good or bad mostly depends on who's standing next to you. Uh, The next is actually called Revenge uh, from 2017. It was directed by Coralie Fargier, Fargiat, uh, Fargiat, I'm not sure. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, though. Uh, Jen is enjoying a romantic getaway with her wealthy boyfriend until his two sleazy friends arrive for an unannounced hunting trip. As tension mounts in the house, the situation abruptly and viciously intensifies, culminating in a shocking act that leaves Jen brutalized and left for dead. Unfortunately for her assailants, she survives and soon begins a relentless quest for bloody revenge. Did either of you see this? No. Revenge? Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. I'd say that it is a superior movie to The Bad Batch, but they're both really, really fun, uh, kick-ass girls getting revenge. I think it's very interesting that we all went very different directions yeah and there's and it it speaks volumes that there are so many directions you can go with this subject all right that's going to bring us into the feature segment which is the recast and this is where we take a predetermined movie uh that we feel that is in the genre that we're speaking about and we talk about it a little bit and then we hypothetically recast a few of the main roles And the first one is a movie called Fried Green Tomatoes from 1991, directed by John Avnet, and it's got a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's also um, based on a book called Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, I believe, by Fanny Flagg, who we talked about in a previous episode. On one of trapped housewife Evelyn Couch's Wednesday nursing home visits, Evelyn is played by Kathy Bates, she encounters Ninny Threadgood, played by Jessica Tandy. 
a colorful old woman who brightens Evelyn's outlook by sharing tales from her past. As Nini recounts the exploits of her free-spirited sister-in-law, Iggy, played by Mary Stuart Masterson, owner of a small Alabama cafe in the 1920s, and the bond Iggy shared with her friend, Ruth, played by Mary Louise Parker, Evelyn gains the confidence to change her own life for the better. Chelsea, how do you feel about fried green tomatoes? It's okay. What about with a nice remoulade? <laughs> She's never had fried green tomatoes. I've really? never had the dish, Okay. No. Well, I recommend them. I like this movie, too. You said it's okay in what regard? It came out early 90s. That's pretty evident. There's still this narrative, which happens a lot with, like, female heroes. Like, oh, poor pitiful me. I've got to figure out how to get out from under this man. Uh I mean, why can't a woman just be fucking cool without that? Okay, fair. And, Sean, your thoughts? I thought it was told in a very simplistic kind of way that even the dullest knives and the dimmest bulbs could follow along. Okay. Um, that part I didn't care for. I did like the uh, lesbian overtones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought that was uh, ahead of its time in a, in a way. But um, I thought that Mary Louise Parker's performance was probably the weakest in the film. Okay. We also have the role of Iggy, played by Mary Stuart Masterson. Uh, we've got the role of Evelyn, we mentioned, played by Kathy Bates. And we've got Nini, played by Jessica Tandy. And I I watched this movie as a kid probably a few times. I think it was one of the movies that my family had on VHS. And uh, I like it. I like this movie. Um, I also saw it before having ever lived in the South. This movie and Doc Hollywood probably shaped my understanding of what the South was like before I ever got here. Oh, my. Chelsea, can you give us your pick for the role of Ruth? My actress was in a movie called Tuscaloosa. Yes, God, yes. And she's in Stranger Things. I went with Natalia Dreyer. From Stranger Things and Yes, God, yes. Yeah. I like her a lot. Right on. Over to you, Sean. Um, I went with an actress who is um, 28 years old, and uh, she's from Texas. Mm-hmm. She was in the film Made, and she was in God is Not Dead 2. God's Still Not Dead. She was in Christmas is Canceled, and she can be seen in the Goldbergs as Erica Goldberg. Her name is Haley Orantia. Okay. So the the first two things you mentioned there are, are kind of conservative mm-hmm. topics, aren't they? Yeah. The war on Christmas and God's not dead. I guess. Michelle, my lovely wife Michelle's pick for Ruth is 25 now, and she picked Haley Steinfeld. Okay. My pick is 32 now, and I didn't just pick her because she's one of my favorites. She also has an amazing resemblance to a young Mary Louise Parker. She was in the house that Jack built... American Honey, and Zola. Her name's Riley Keough. Nice. Do you guys see the Mary Louise Parker vibe? And she was in a great feminist film, Mad Max Fury Road. True. True. Next up, we've got Iggy, played by Mary Stuart Masterson, uh, 25 at the time. Chelsea, your pick. My actress was in all the new Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. Was in Booksmart. You can catch her in American Horror Story various seasons i went with billy lord ah billy lord's awesome carrie fisher's daughter, daughter. sean your pick i'm with a 28 year old actress i think she does uh, 
redneck very well. I think she does uh, rough and tumble female very okay. well. Um, she was in Martha Marcy May Marlene. Mm-hmm. She was in Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Hmm. She was in The Americans, and everyone knows her from Ozark and with Julia Garner. Oh, okay. Awesome. Julia. Okay, now I'm picturing her the right person. Uh, you threw me for a, a loop there. Because that's a wide variety of roles. And I didn't realize she was in Sin City. Yeah. Very young. I guess so. All right. Well, Michelle went with Naomi Scott, who's 28. And she was in Aladdin in 2019. Over to me. My pick for Iggy. Is it safe to call Iggy a tomboy? Yeah. Iggy, played by Mary Stuart Masterson, was 25 at the time. And my pick is... 28 now she was in taken she was in super eight and the twilight saga i went with dakota fanning dakota fanning is my pick for iggy next up oh this is my favorite pick of the day you guys but i have to wait i have to wait until i hear yours oh this is this one's my favorite uh chelsea your pick for evelyn my actress was in the office Uh uh-huh and some other stuff, but mainly The Office. I went with Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher. Pam. Pam from The Office. Okay. Gotcha. Man, I'd like to see her in something. More stuff. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen her in a while. All right. Over to you, Sean. Who you got for Evelyn? I'm with a 44-year-old actress. She can be seen in Where the Wild Things Are. Mm-hmm. She can be seen in Can't Hardly Wait. She can be seen in Psycho Beach Party. Yeah. But most people would remember her from Six Feet Under. As Claire, I went with Lauren Ambrose. Yeah, yeah, I like that. She's great. Right on. Uh, Michelle went with Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore at 47 is going to play okay. the role of Evelyn. And I do want to hear Drew Barrymore yell, Tawanda! <laughs> <laughs> My pick is uh, 44 now. Uh, she is mostly known for her comedy, stand-up, comedic roles, and voice work. She was in The Last Man on Earth. She does a voice on Bob's Burgers and Gravity mm-hmm. Falls. Her name is Kristen Schaal. I like that. Kristen Schaal is going to be my Evelyn, and she could probably deliver that line too. I think she would do great in the uh, the parking lot scene. Yes, yes, absolutely. We've got one more, and it's the role of Ninny, played by the great, the late great Jessica Tandy, who was 82 at the time. Chelsea? Oh my gosh. I cannot say this woman's name to save my life. Okay. Sean, how do you pronounce this? Fionala? That's what I thought, but I was like, that seems weird. Fion, I can't say it. Something Fiona. Flanagan. Fiona? She was, she's like funicular. The old lady and everything. She was in the others, four brothers. This is what she looks like. You'll know her when you oh, see yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, right on. Right. Yeah, okay. she can totally pull that off. I like it. Uh, Sean, your pick for Ninny. I think we're flirting with the cinema chop shop curse. By the way. Oh, um, by picking just, somebody who's incredibly yeah, old. Yeah, this actress is. Uh, well, she was born in 1941 in mm-hmm. Florida. She was in Network. She was in Chinatown, Bonnie and Clyde, and Mommy Dearest. I went with Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway's good. My lovely wife Michelle's pick for Ninny is going to be played by the 96-year-old Angela Lansbury. Oh my! Okay. I went with an 85 years young actress who was in 
Foxcatcher, Letters to Juliet, and Atonement. Her name is Vanessa Redgrave. Oh yeah, she's always good. Very good. All right, so I guess the uh, the consensus is that while this movie does have its faults, and there's something lost in the the way the story is told, it still does have some important points. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, also, there's there's a twist in the in the end. We're not going to spoil um, in Fried Green Tomatoes. So if you feel up to getting in your time machine and going back to 1991 to check that out, feel free to do so. All right. That's going to bring us to intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some Girl Scout cookies. Some Mamwich Sloppy Joannes. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. You, you know that's not real. I know. Okay. But it is, they did actually do that for Women's History Month, right? No, I think it was just a Photoshop. Really? Yeah. I don't know. And for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Chop Shop Morning Zoo on WCCS 85.5 FM, The Shop with Travisito, the brew boss, and me, Chelsea, the regulator, where we'll be breaking down the recast of your precious childhood movies all morning, morning long. <laughs> and if you can't listen on your toilet or in your car, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on podbean.com. Hello there, all you naughty chop shoppers. So, you like to listen? Oh, you're bad. Wouldn't you also love to see all of our hot pictures and posts on our very own social media? Just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you think you can handle it. Do you need a used movie? Good credit, bad credit, no credit, no problem! Come on down to Wacky Trav's Cinema Chop Shop Blowout Sale. He's He's out out of of his mind. mind. Where we can guarantee you, you'll go home happy. Social security number, criminal background check, and blood sample required. Side effects may include euphoria, hallucinations, and delusions of grandeur. So please remember to watch Chop Retrofit. All right, welcome back, Chop Shoppers. Thank you for bearing with us during intermission. Sean, when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do? Beer check-ins. And we are drinking a classic right now. I called it the Poor Man's Heineken. Uh, This is St. Pauli Girl. Yeah, it's a girl who kicks ass. Brought to you by the year 2003. (laughs) And uh, we do have a, a Bavarian beer maid on the front, and she is holding... Not one, not two, six full liters of beer at the same time. (laughs) That is impressive. But we did also, um, even though it says original German recipe, we did discover that it is a product of the USA, (laughs) Um, St. Louis, Missouri. And does that mean InBev owns it? Probably. Most likely. But we were saying that it definitely has that uh, kind of skunky Skunky quality, the Bavarian skunk, yep, and how um, that it's kind of nostalgic because um, 
back back in the day when at least for me whenever i was transitioning from your mainstream domestic beers this was one along with like a newcastle and stuff like that yeah. that would branch out and try the the imports grolsch and, and oh yeah <laughs> and uh saint Pauli girl was a little bit better uh price point for this poor college student so while we enjoy that let's go ahead and get into the 2022 movie marathon and as of this recording, it is the 70th day of the year, I believe. Yep. 70th day of the year. And I am on number 74. 90. 90. 20 ahead of the game. 89. Wow. Very good. Very good. You guys are kicking ass. Chelsea, what is your first check-in? You said you've got a couple for us, right? Yeah, I have two. Okay. The first one is from 2021. Now, when I checked it in on Letterboxd, it had a different title than it does on Netflix. Okay. So on Letterboxd, it's called The Shadow in My Eye. Uh-huh. On Netflix, it's called The Bombardment. Huh. I feel really terrible because I didn't even know that this was a thing. So in 1945, the British Royal Air Force mm-hmm. set out to bomb the Gestapo's headquarters in Copenhagen. Right. And um, some of them missed and hit... a. Uh, like French school for little girls. Ah. And 120 people were killed, 86 of them. I'm sure glad nothing like that could ever happen today. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I had never heard of that either. Um no. <clears throat> Sean, your first check-in for this week? I'm going to check in the aforementioned Laddie, the man behind the movies. This is the documentary about uh, Alan Ladd Jr. Uh-huh. Directed by his daughter, who you also mentioned. Um not going to go into too much detail about the movie since I mentioned those before, but uh, should be noted, Alan Ladd was nominated, uh, as were his films, for 150 Oscars in Holy his shit. lifetime. You want to guess how many he won? Uh, out of yes. hundred, out of 150. Uh, Twenty. Fifty. Damn! I was I was giving it. Um, I was thinking I was going over the thing that I, uh, the, the big, yeah, the big takeaway about this, Alan Ladd was, you know, in sports, they, they would call him a player's coach. Mm-hmm. He was all about the creative side. He was the guy who would step up and take all the heat from the studio mm-hmm. just so the creative guys didn't have to deal with it, gotcha. that, that they could do their thing. When he first got to 20th century, he said, how come all of the writers are in separate buildings and separate offices all around the lot? And he said, let's bring them all together. So he put them in the same building. So they were running into each other as they were working and they're bouncing ideas off each other. And it's one of those, well, duh, kind of things. Like it just makes sense. There has been only one year that the Palme d'Or was a tie. Okay. And that year was for Kajimusha by Akira Kurosawa. Kurosawa and all that jazz. Alan Ladd produced both of them. Whoa, he tied himself? Yeah. At Khan? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, Alan Ladd Jr., fantastic. Watch this documentary if you want to learn more. Cool deal. Uh, my first check in is going to be a Netflix true crime documentary called The Tindler Swindler. The Tindler, the Tinder, it's hard to say. The, tin, the Tinder Swindler. Feel your pain. It's about, um, it's about a guy who 
scams women out of tens of thousands of dollars using uh, the dating site Tinder. And they have the all of the evidence that they need. And spoiler alert, even though he does do a little bit of time for a little bit of his crime, not nearly enough. And he's already back out in the wild already doing the same thing. Doing it. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was a little bit rough. But uh, the movie itself, I found it pretty intriguing. Well, listen, <laughs> yes. he's back in the news. Oh, really? Yeah. Because Tinder announced it will add criminal background checks to his platform, but also, like, he got charged with something else. Okay. Maybe thanks to the documentary? I'm sure. Sure it had something to do with shedding a light I know. That. I saw this the other day. The family. The diamond people, where he said, yes. I'm a... They're suing him. Good. Good. Because he was not part of their family. Exactly. Gotcha. All right. Well, you want to give us your, your other check-in for today, Chelsea? Uh, so this is my last check-in. Uh-huh. This is a documentary on Netflix. It's called 11M, Terror in Madrid. So 18 years ago to the day, there was a terrorist attack in Madrid where a, I think it's total six bombs exploded on trains. Oh, 11M as in March 11th. Yes. Yeah. Weird fucking coincidence. Yeah. Uh, your girl was in Madrid. Uh-uh. Yeah, huh? Wait, which girl? Uh, me. Oh, okay. <laughs> what were you doing in Madrid? I was there on a school trip. Okay. And um, yeah, we had arrived shortly after and it was just, it was fucking chaos. Mm -hmm. But you went to this city park like the next day and they had, uh, the way this park was set up, there was like a cobblestone type circle and there were like thousands and thousands of candles lit. Like I just, I'd never seen anything. Gotcha. like that and yeah it was it was intense i could imagine oh man so um obviously you weren't anywhere near the the train station or no 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 like we that, we still... arrived after it had okay. happened it still has to make you feel like a little bit uneasy because it's basically their 9-11 right for spain yeah, and then I didn't realize like the political implications of it. I was just I was sort of too young, I guess, mm -hmm. to realize that. But that the documentary is really interesting. But yeah, I was there. And then the next like the next year, I went to Italy, and I was in Italy when the Pope died. Oh wow! I know fucked up shit happens when I travel. Interesting. Stay home. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Over to you, Sean. What's your next check-in? So my next film. It is a girl power movie. Mm -hmm. 1991. Thelma and Louise. Aha. Uh -huh. I've never seen it before. This was your first time. Yep. Directed by Ridley Scott, starring uh -huh. Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis, a very young Brad Pitt, Harvey yep. Keitel, Chris Shooter, McGavin, McDonald, yes. and Stephen Tobolowski. Indeed. This uh, movie is fantastic. It's so good. It's great. And so many <laughs> iconic moments. <clears throat> In the movie, a uh, little bit of trivia about this. Do you know who tried out for the part of uh, JT? The, I think that's Brad Pitt's the Brad, character, Brad right? Character. Um, but was rejected no, like, who? multiple times. George Clooney. Oh. George Clooney. Well, nobody wants that riffraff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, great film. I, and as far as women who kick ass, mm -hmm. Gina Davis's character journey is just great. Yeah. I no, love absolutely. it. Absolutely. My next check-in is going to be number 71 for me. And it is Certified Fresh. The movie's called Fresh. 
And it is uh, one that you probably want to let your dinner digest a little bit before you watch. Maybe avoid the rare steak this time, too. It's about a cannibal. And once again, Army Hammer was not involved. Um, but it does star Sebastian Stan, who we talked about a little bit ago in Movie News, as a charming cannibal abductor. Uh, and it, they give this away in the first act. He lures and seduces women who he knows do not have any like immediate... Uh, immediate family or people that they would be in close contact with, people who he feels wouldn't be missed. And then he imprisons them and slowly sells their meat to a very uh, high-end black market of cannibal connoisseurs. Shit. Do you think this shit really exists? I bet it does. I mean, There's some pretty much, what's, what is it, Rule 32? Any fucked up thing you can think of probably has a subreddit. That fucking freaks me out. It's scary. And the movie itself is scary, too. I'll just say this. It does not leave you disappointed. Okay. I've been clinking. Oh, what are you clinking on? Well, I'm bringing out a very special bottle. Uh-huh. This is a bottle of Shram's Mead. Uh-huh. It's a black currant mead called Black Agnes. Black Agnes. And uh, it is a, uh, it's only 11%, which is not too bad. Right on. I would love to taste that. Oh, yeah. That's delicious. Just let that warm oh, up. I can smell it. I'm mm -hmm. not a mead fan at so all. It, when you say you can smell it, you are you smelling the alcohol or just like the sweetness? She doesn't Both. like honey. Oh, yeah. And that's one of no, the defining it's... attributes of mead is that it's made with fermented honey, right? I like honey. I don't like it in this. Oh, but I thought you didn't like honey. I like honey, but to an extent no. because honey is so sweet. Like, yeah. All right. My final check-in for the week is from 2021. It's on the Shutter mm -hmm. Network slash app. It's called Hellbender. And this is a family film starring real-life mother and daughter Zelda and Lulu Adams. Okay. Also, the film is directed by their the dad. Yeah, it's a total like family affair. It's very gotcha. family. And it's a witchcraft type movie a girl is brought up by her mom thinking that she has an infectious disease so she mm -hmm. can't interact with society so she stays home in their very remote upstate new york farmhouse and meanwhile mom is out doing her walks and doing blood magic mm -hmm. and making these little little blair witch project looking things and it's a bizarre strange movie but damn it's good you liked it and in their spare time they have a heavy metal band that they do the mother and daughter and they're legit they're totally real songs that they perform well do we it, know the name of the band the band is called hellbender but all the e's are threes yes but here's know, three's the three's a witchy number yes that's where the inspiration from the movie came from and this is their second movie as a family type thing yeah it's worth checking out it's a cool strange yeah neat movie all right i've got one more check-in and it is, it's long awaited, you guys. It is Matt Reeves' The Batman from 2022. This was number 70 for me. I really liked it. Great performances and tone. My only gripe is that it could have been trimmed down about 15 to 20 minutes. Because um, it does clock in at right at three hours. 
Oh, and Colin Farrell is just playing Robert De Niro from The Untouchables as Penguin. I have not seen this yet. but I think I... it's definitely worth a watch. I will say this, and this advice comes from McJunkin. Watch it at the uh, discount theater versus the Swamp Fox. He said they sat in there for 15 minutes while the people forgot to start the movie. Oh, wow. Oh, dang. Yeah, and that's not the first time he's run into, like, technical difficulties. Now, my favorite thing I've seen on social media was a movie theater that had, like, a little, you know, laser-printed stick of paper just right there on the ticket booth. We've been told by the studio that this movie is dark. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like dark, don't come see this movie because it's really dark. Dark. (laughs) I think they meant the lighting. All right. So that's going to wrap us up on the movie marathon for this week. That brings us to the second part of our feature segment, The Recast Continued. Girl Power. Part two. And this movie is from 1989. It was directed by Michael Lehman. It's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and we're talking about Heathers. Heathers. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did they make a series version of this? I thought I saw There's been a series. There's been a musical. Okay. It's it's a great black comedy. Yes. And uh all of the I've not seen any of the grants the grandchildren. <laughs> the grandchildren. Uh Veronica is part of the most popular uh but snobby clique at her high school. Soon she starts killing the cool kids with the help of her new boyfriend, JD. Now, Veronica is played by Winona Ryder, who was just 18 at the time. We've got Jason J.D. Dean, played by Christian Slater, doing his um, best attempt at a Jack Nicholson impression. Mm -hmm. We've got the Heathers. Heather Duke, played by Shannon Doherty, also 18. Heather McNamara, played by Lizanne Falk, 25 at the time. And then Heather Chandler, played by Kim Walker, who was 21 at the time. And I mentioned... um, that it's been a while since I see I've seen this. I do remember liking it, and I remember it being um, like campy and, like you said, dark, a dark comedy, and and over the top in some of the things. Yeah, I watched it after Columbine, mm. a, a subsequent viewing, of course, and it definitely struck a different chord. Yeah, but uh, there's some fucked up shit in this movie. The relationship that JD has with his father. Yeah. Is really screwed up. Uh, the relationship that uh, Veronica has with her dad and the mother going, oh, you too. I mean, there's some really bizarre Dark stuff. structures going on there. But uh, I think that the reason this has had so many iterations, though, is that the the, the clicks, the norms, mm-hmm. that shit still exists still and it will never, ever go away. Just watch Euphoria. I like this movie uh-huh. and I had a hard time recasting it. I'm okay. No, I understand. still not happy about it. Understood. Yeah, this was kind of difficult, um, especially the the two main roles, because uh, you you think about Winona Ryder and Christian Slater and you just picture their face. You know, they're they're so um, kind of ingrained in our culture by now. But let's give it a shot anyway. Right. Sure. Chelsea, who is your pick for Veronica Sawyer? My actress was in Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. Old, Leave No Trace. I went with uh, Thomason McKenzie. Okay. Yeah. All right. I liked Old, Leave No Trace. I've seen that. Uh, what was the other one? The Jojo one? Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit's great. Mm-hmm. Taika Waititi forever. Yeah. 
All right. Over to you, Sean. Who is your Veronica Sawyer? Um, I guess I'm trying to go for like a more current version of this film where it's mm-hmm. not as 80s derivative. Shoulder pads. Yeah. Oh, boy, those shoulder pads were a character of themselves. Um, I'm going with an actress who is 18 now. She was in The Addams Family, the poorly received CGI animated version that was inspired by the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also in Despicable Me and Despicable Me 2. And she was in eighth grade. Yeah. In the lead role with Elsie Fisher. Elsie Fisher. Nice. Nice job. Well, my pick is 17 now. She's in No Good Nick, 101 Dalmatians, and what has to be a reboot of Punky Brewster. Her name is Lauren Lindsay Donzis. Lauren Lindsay Donzis is I see it. Yep. to be my Veronica Sawyer, and it is uh, something of a face value pick. Next up, we've got the role of J.D. I think that it would be an interesting uh, juxtaposition to watch this and then watch uh, Pump Up the Volume. Which it's, is coming up it's soon. Coming up, yes. DJ movies. And his name in this is, is JD. Get it? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Christian Slater was 20 years old playing a high schooler. And uh, Chelsea, who was your pick? My actor was in Knives Out, the reboot of it and it chapter two and mm-hmm. saint vincent i yeah. went with Jaden martell okay Jaden martell i liked saint vincent a lot he played the little boy yeah okay right on i um i actually i am remiss because i forgot to tell you michelle's pick for the veronica role her name is maddie ziegler Oh. Maddie Ziegler, who's 20 years old. She needs um, redemption. Music and the Ugh. fallout. The fallout. All right. Uh, your pick for JD, Sean. This is my favorite pick of the week. All right. I went with a 16-year-old actor. Mm-hmm. He's younger than everybody. Uh, he is one of the characters in the God of War video games. He was in The House with a Clock in the Walls. He was in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, but mm-hmm. you will remember him as the lead role in mid-90s. Mm-hmm. I went with Sonny Suljic. Yeah. He would make a fantastic JD. Yeah, he would. Man, I wonder what he's doing now. Um, Mid-90s were quite some time ago. Well, if you want to know what he's doing now, um, he is uh, prepping for God of War Ragnarok. He just does the mocap and the voice for the God of War's son. Hell yeah. Films. yeah. And uh, he was in a movie called North Hollywood. Oh, so North Hollywood is another skater movie made by one of the people in mid-90s. Okay. I have not seen it yet, but it is on my list. So there you go. He's still going. Right on. Uh, my JD is 19 now. He was in Shazam! Jolene. Jolene. And Jolene. Driven to Dance. His name is Asher Angel. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's kind of got that broody, yeah. don't tell me to get a haircut type of <laughs> vibe. <laughs> uh, next, we've got Heather Duke, played by Shannon Doherty, who was 18 at the time. So this would be pre-90210, 89? Ooh, I think she was right in the thick right of it. Right there? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, she was the lesser of the Heathers. The lesser Heathers. Chelsea, your pick for Heather Duke. 
Uh, I went with TikTok Sensation and He's All That fucking terrible remake, Addison mm-hmm. Ray. Okay. Gotcha. Um, you say He's All That? It's called He's All That. It's their reboot version of She's All That. From a male perspective. It's fucking terrible. Hmm. Sounds terrible. It, it does. Uh, Sean, who's your Heather Duke? Um, a little bit of colorblind casting out with an 18-year-old. She was in Slight. She was in A Wrinkle in Time, but you mm-hmm. can see her in Euphoria. Her name is Storm Reed. Storm Reed, I've heard of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My Heather Duke is 17 now, and she was in The Give, Wonder, and The Judge. Her name is Emma Tremblay. Emma Tremblay is the sister of... Okay. Ethan Tremblay. Oh, also Michelle's pick for uh, Heather. I don't think she has one for Heather Duke, but I will give you her um, her pick for JD. It's Gage Monroe. Gage Monroe is twenty three now, and he's in Nobody and The Shack. Okay. Next, we've got Heather McNamara. Um, played by Lizanne Falk. Is it Lisanne or Lizanne? Lisanne? It's like Lisa uh, Ann. Lisanne Falk. Lisanne Falk. She was 25. She's the oldest of the Heathers in She real was life. the hottest of the Heathers. And uh, was she the most powerful Heather? No, she was kind of an airhead. She was the middle Heather. Yeah, she was kind of the airhead that, yeah. Okay. And Chelsea, mm. your um, pick, McNamara? I'll tell you in a second. Okay, sweet. So you had a little bit of a flub up, but it was really f- fucking funny. Me? But yeah. When? Just now? Yeah. Okay, what did I say? You said um, Ethan. Ethan Tremblay instead oh. of Jacob. Oh, who's Ethan Tremblay? It's the fucking fictional character that Zach Galifianakis plays in Due Date, where he's obsessed <laughs> oh, with wow. two and a half men. Wow. <laughs> he's like, this is my stage name. <laughs> That is great. That was wow, that fucking was, beautiful. I don't know how that was just like. I don't know, but it was so gorgeous. <laughs> Maybe I was thinking Ethan Embry. I, I don't know, but it, oh god, that, that made great. my day. <laughs> Love it. Jesus. Uh, oh. All right. Um, I I have no follow up other than to say that my actress is Millie Bobby Brown for this part. Millie Bobby Brown. Got it. Over to you, Sean. Oh, I was an actress. Who has a fucking awesome name. Um, she's 19 years old. And uh, the only thing in her credits that you'll know is she was in the uh, Dexter New Blood reboot. Reboot. And her name is Johnny Sequoia. Nuh-uh. That's amazing. <laughs> That's that a great name. <laughs> name is awesome. She's like, what's the stupidest porn name a dude could pick? <laughs> and still be a girl. Yep. My actress is 21 now. She's in The Book Thief. 47 meters down, uncaged, and the kid detective. Her name is Sophie Nelis. Sophie Nelis. Ethan Tremblay is the love <laughs> child of Ethan Embry and Ethan Supley. <laughs> oh, wow. We got one more, right? One more Heather? Yes. Heather Chandler, played by Kim Walker. She was the queen Heather. Queen Heather. She's... 21 at the time. 
Chelsea, who's your pick? Oh, I'm a little scared. I might have stolen Sean's thunder here. Ah, uh, my actress is in Saved by the Bell. <laughs> oh, no, I did not pick her. I okay. wanted to. You go for it. She's a great pick. Go. Oh, I went with, oh, I'm going to fuck up her name. Josie Tota. I can't say it. You just did. Josie Tota? Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Totally. Over to you, Sean. What do you got for Heather Chandler? I went with an actress who is 18 years old, and she can be seen in Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. She can be heard in Elena of Avalor as mm. a voice actress. She was in the, the new Scream movie. I saw that. And she was quite good in the very bad The Babysitter sequel. I went with Jenna Ortega. Oh, Jenna Ortega. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, okay. And I know exactly who she was in Scream. Uh, that that new Scream is is kind of eh. I've not watched it. I probably to, won't. They don't need to keep doing that. But they probably will that's keep doing we, that. That's why we do the fucking show. Mm-hmm. My Kim Walker is 18 now. She's in the reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She's in Despicable Me 2 and 8th Grade. Her name is Elsie Fisher. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Elsie Fisher is going to be my Heather Chandler. Chelsea, would you say that you preferred this movie to Fried Green Tomatoes? Oh, 100%. Okay. Would you recommend either of them? I mean, I would recommend both for sure, Mm -hmm. but... Heather's is better. Okay. And Sean's shaking his head no. He's not recommending fried green tomatoes. I avoided fried green tomatoes for the longest time. Uh-huh. And, and now you know why. And now I know why. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just it, it's it's a movie for dumb people. What about with like a, a pesto drizzle on the side? No, I mean Well, it's... here's the context I watched it. In high school, we read the book. Mm. I'm sure the book's better. Fanny Flash. As book. it usually is. So um, that's the context I have. Okay. But, you know, I, I equate this movie with beaches. Uh-huh. It's like, go take your grandmother to the movies day. Barbara Hershey and Bette Midler beaches? Yeah. Okay. That, that That's what this movie is for me. It's extremely pedestrian, and it just... My grandma loves the movie Beaches. She would be down with this outing. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who hold it dear to their heart, but like... Yeah. I have no interest, but uh, Heather's fuck. Yeah. It's biting satire. Yeah. And it still holds its ground to this day. I mean, it's still just, you know, the, the, the social structure is Mm -hmm. there to back this movie up. I like it. All right. Uh, with that, we're going to go into a bonus segment and it's going to be a battle Royale between some kick-ass women. We've got Eleanor Roosevelt, Versus Lucille Ball versus Oprah Winfrey. They're heavy hitters. Wow. Now, obviously, they're all three entertainers. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that Eleanor Roosevelt and Franklin Delano Roosevelt were like third cousins and that her name was Eleanor Roosevelt before she met him. Well, that and their marriage is probably a sham marriage. Sure, Arranged. yeah. The cover story. So? I pick me and Lucille Ball as a tag team. You and Lucille Ball are going to take on Oprah and Eleanor oh, Roosevelt? Fuck yes, we are. <laughs> Look, I love Lucille Ball. Me too. I think she's fantastic. I have nothing bad to say about her. I think Oprah's great, but I mm-hmm. think in terms of who's the most kick-ass, it's Eleanor Roosevelt. And I'm thinking about 
in terms of who's going to really physically whip some ass. <laughs> she's she's a um she's she's an imposing figure. She's probably the first lesbian that we've had as a first lady, first lesbian president. And and president, yes, because <laughs> she was running the show mm-hmm. uh when he was down for the count. So, I'm going with her, man. She's badass. All right, that's fair. I um I want to live to see another day, so I'm picking Oprah so that I don't get shot on the way to the car um, or taken out by some other um, clandestine means. Listen. Don't fuck with Oprah. What did and her best friend Gail? Gail, Gail. yeah, what? and and her um, her Stedman. partner, Black Doctor Phil Stedman. Stedman and Black Doctor Phil. Phil. Doctor Phil and uh, what was the other doctor that she that Doctor Oz? Doctor Oz. What mm-hmm. a paragon. Mm-hmm. Of uh, health, science, and reality. Yeah, they're all disgusting. Um, so I have to, I have to admit something. Yes. Growing up in Canada. Yes. I don't know shit about American history. I really don't know a shit ton about Eleanor Roosevelt. Who the fuck is Eleanor Roosevelt? I mean, I know who she is, but like in terms of what she's done, mm-hmm. like I have, I really don't have context for her. And like, I just found out that. Benedict Arnold was a real fucking person like oh, a yeah. month ago. Not only just a real person, but he was actually a true patriot who got shafted by the system. I think that one of our peers podcast, The Dollop, just did a episode on. I know. Radio. It was like a day before I found out that yes. this was a real fucking person. I like it. My mind was blown. That being said, do you know what next week's episode is? It's a watch party. Watch party of what? It's my turn. What is it? We're doing best in show. Best in show. This is a Christopher Guest mockumentary. Yep. As he is wont to do. Yep. And it's all about a send up of basically the Westminster Kennel Club dog show, right? Absolutely. And so I do have a sneak preview question and answer for trivia. And I didn't write it down. I just got it up here in the steel trap that is my brain. Which actress in that film actually got real braces for her character? I don't fucking know because I've never seen this film. Parker Posey. Parker Posey is correct. Um, So Christopher Guest has done a bunch of these style of movies. He's kind of like the godfather of these mockumentaries, right? Well, well, yeah, going back to... This uh, is Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap and this, Waiting for Guffman, yes. Mighty Wind. Mascots. I mean, it's crazy how the, much mileage he's gotten. The of stable this. of actors that he's managed to keep with him in all these productions. You've got Eugene Levy. You've got Fred Willard. You've got Catherine O'Hara. You've got um, Parker Posey. You've got the... Um, Bob Balaban. Bob Balaban. Yep. Yes. Uh, now, is is a lot of those people are Canadian? Is is he Canadian? Is Christopher Guest Canadian? I, I don't know. I know he was on uh, a very short lived season of uh, SNL. He was one of those the people he was, that they he, hired in the yeah, interim yeah. when Lorne Michaels left. Yeah, he was in the uh, the Dick Ebersol years. Yes. That being said, we want to go ahead and plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and all of your podcatcher apps. We're also located online on podbean.com. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. Our Twitter is at Cinema Chop Shop. Facebook is facebook.com slash Cinema Chop Shop. Our email is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. Instagram at Cinema Chop Shop. 
Untapped, where we check in these fine beers and meats, is Cinema Chop Shop. And then a audio version of this is on YouTube uh, for your watching pleasure. Uh, we are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast on there. Join the YouTube faithful, you guys. And finally, farewell to you, the Chop Shoppers out there. Thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to get vaxxed and just be a good person. And please remember to watch, watch Chop, Chop Retrofit. And I guess Sean and I can go fuck ourselves. Oh. <laughs> you didn't thank us. Oh. <laughs> we love you, Trap. Did I not? No, it's okay. Did I cut that part out of my notes. <laughs> <laughs>